karaiti ko te mahi tūrua, ki tēnei whenua ko te mahi tūtoru, ki a koutou katoa. No mai, haramai. Welcome. How good, how good. Ko Hana Ahu, my name is Hannah. I serve around here as our presence leader, so I kind of look after a few different areas where we're trying to get after the presence of God. <clears throat> and I'm, as, as Clint said, I'm recently returned from five and a half weeks in the Northern Hemisphere in winter, in, in the UK, in the US, Guatemala, random places. <laughs> it was great. I had, I had the best time, but most recently culminated at a conference in New York. And the Lord did so much within me, and then coming back and spending time in the, in the prayer room this week. Hands up if you were in the prayer room. Yeah. Oh, you guys are way more faithful than the nine. <laughs> These are God's people here. <laughs> How good has the week been to really prioritize that time, set aside that time to, to come and be with the Lord? So good. So we're we preaching this morning, jumping around a little bit, kind of a culmination of what God spoke at conference and then solidified in the prayer room. So let's begin in Psalm 86. Let's pray before we begin. God, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Would you open our hearts to hear your word? Would the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer? Amen. Amen. Um, Please grab a Bible and open it. (laughs) We have no slides, mostly because I want you to stay, get in your word and get tactile and feel get sit in the word, also because I didn't have time to make slides. But we're getting into the scriptures this morning. So on a green Bible near you, it's on page 411, um, Psalm 86. It's the Psalm of David. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. All the na- no deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The heart is... It's huge, as in Proverbs 4, it's the seat from which everything in our life flows. If our heart is divided, then the fruit and that, the outpouring of our life will also be divided and chaotic. This, this cry for an undivided heart is, is what, what the Lord wants to give us. It is how we worship him. We're gonna jump to the back, Revelations 2. 
and read a letter to the, the church in Ephesus. It's pretty, it's pretty hard-hitting, so buckle in. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking to the church. I know your deeds. This is Revelation 2, verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Good things, right? The church is doing great. Tick, tick, tick. Yet I hold this against you. Imagine hearing that from Jesus. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love, which comes from that heart. If your heart is divided, if we have turned from our first love, which is, which is Jesus, then will not bode well for us. We have a bit of a, a delusion, I think, in, in the way that we've come to see God as he's just love and he's our friend and he's with us and he's personable and he's our buddy, which, yes, he is all of those things, but he's so other and holy and mighty and Lord of all. And I think within the, the delusion of the other side, we think, oh, God's just, he's happy with whatever I do. I'm a Christian, I can do what I want and God, God will bless it but not if we've forsaken our first love. There's a, the, the weight of conviction from the Spirit if we are, have filled our hearts with things that are not, not of Him. There's a, in coming back to our first love, in, in undividing our heart, getting that undivided heart, there's, there's a repentance we need to repent and to turn and to, to confess and get rid of things that are dividing us, that have taken up the place where Jesus should sit in our hearts. There's, at this conference, there was a, a mini revival of sorts where we just sat in prayer for about four hours. We kind of ripped up the, the schedule and just sat with what the Lord was doing. And there was a huge move of confession where people were standing up in their seats in a room packed with 700 people standing up, confessing, saying, I repent of X, Y, and Z, and then the room would, would respond, and the blood of Jesus cleanses you. And it was so powerful that where, where the presence of God is thick, where his love is there, it pushes us to confession and to repentance, that we cannot stand in our, in our division and our filth before the, the throne of God. In Habakkuk, in wrath, remember mercy. There's this, this call that we see in Psalm 86 of David. He's calling to the Lord. There's a call and response. It's a conversation and a dance. But time and again, have mercy on me, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. Teach me a way and I will walk in your truth. There's a, a rightness and a repentance that comes. Or Matthew, repent for the kingdom of God is close. When that kingdom, when his presence come close, it, 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 nothing else can stand. We need to repent and give it all up to pursue him with our whole hearts. And we've got to remember that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. In Romans 2, we, I think we don't hear from God, or we don't 
understand his voice or hear his voice as much because he's much kinder than we expect him to be. And it's this kindness that leads to that confession and repentance. It's not, not a fear-based, fear-mongering like when you were a child and had to confess something to your parents. It's none of that. It's a kindness and a grace. There is so much grace. But there is a need for repentance as we stand before holiness. It's a, there's a pruning to make way for, for new life for that undivided heart. So here, here we are in, in February. The year has well and truly started. And if you're looking back a month ago, you might have made some resolutions or had some goals for how 2024 would look different. And you're a month in, like me, you might be, <laughs> might be feeling the rub of it's not quite where you wanted it to be. Maybe things have crowded in. Maybe you had some good intentions of, cool, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prioritize God this year. I'm gonna make space and fight for that time in prayer. But as the year began, busyness crept in, old habits crept in. The only thing that will, that will fill that gap, that will get us that undivided heart is Jesus, which requires some pruning in order to, to prioritize God and put him first and carve out space, we need to get rid of other things that are taking up space in our hearts. We have to restructure our time, prioritize prayer and being in the presence of God. We have to make room for him. There are so many things of this world that are counterforming us, that are clamoring for our time and attention. But there's only, only one, only one who we should be focused on. And in looking to him, he, he right-sizes our gaze on all other things and pushes us outward in our vocation and our worship and our ministry to other people. Hosea 10 speaks of breaking up our unplowed land, that there's a, a breaking for, the, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes, that we need to prepare the ground to receive the truth and the, the root of, of the Spirit of God. In the prophet Isaiah, he receives his, his calling and commission in Isaiah chapter six, where the angel comes, puts the coal on his lips. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. It's interesting because most prophets get their calling in chapter one. It's kind of their first piece of their, their part, of, part of scripture. But Isaiah waits until Isaiah six, and, which is when King Uzziah had died. And he was a king that Israel had put a lot of hope in. He was militarily strong. He made a lot of wise decisions. He was growing the economy, good for people. He was looking after people until the end of his life when pride crept in and he tried to, to enter the holy place in the temple, which well, he, that was not his role. He was the king. He was not a priest. But in pride, he, he was weak and tried to do that. And so he died in that, in that weakness. And that was the year that Isaiah rose up as a prophet where he got his calling from the Lord. And there, he made a real point in writing that it was the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah, the prophet, rose up because something had to die for new life to take place, for the Lord to, to speak so boldly through Isaiah to his people. There had to be a removal of the king in which they had put their hopes in. And similarly for us, there's so many times through scripture we see the need for death to come before resurrection, for us to, to prune things out of our life so that new life can take root. 
Like we hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the patriarchs, but you think about each of their wives and each generation was born out of barrenness. They each struggled with barrenness before bringing in a new generation. There's this, this death and emptiness that, that precedes life. Even my own Hannah, the story of Hannah in the Bible and her, she was barren and cried out to God, this silent prayer where her husband thought she was drunk. This powerful prayer and the, the committing of her son to the Lord, a surrender of control came from a space of barrenness and from there a priest came who redefined the priesthood for the nation of Israel. So what, what needs to die in your own life? What, what do you need to repent and turn from? What do you need to let die and to actively remove so that you can step into pursuing the Lord with an undivided heart? Maybe there's some idols or altars that have taken up space in your heart. Maybe we've lent a little far into secularism, which is simply just constructing an identity or sense of self without the presence of God. It's the sovereignty of self above all others. What ways might your self need to die, your preferences, your, your ideas need to die at the, at the foot of the cross and then be redeemed in the, the beautiful, intricate way that the Lord has made you and from a place of surrender? Because the things God has for you are better than the things of this world. What God has for you is better than what the world can give you. Which we can all relate to. There might be things in your past that you were, you were so excited for. You were waiting until you got maybe a promotion, waiting until you got that new car, waiting until you got a new house. And then you got there and it was just cool. It might have been exciting for a moment and then you're back into the, the dailiness of life. This was, <laughs> this was me this past week. I flew, flew home from New York, New York, Auckland. And I'm very blessed to be in an aviation family. My, my dad's a pilot, my brother's an avionics engineer. Um, <laughs> so I was flying standby, which I often do. So if there's a spare seat on the plane, you get on. If there's not, you don't get on. Um, so I'd spent the week prior being like, oh, I don't know, this flight's looking pretty full. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And there was a hope in me that, oh, maybe there's a spare seat in business. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> so there was a whole emotional tension that whole week. of like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it home. We're in prayer week. I have to be home. There's so much stuff going on. And then I got to the airport, and you only find out like minutes before you board. And I found out I got a business seat. Oh! <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> so all of my hopes and dreams. Okay, one, I'm going home to New Zealand and I'm flying 17 hours on business. Oh, it was amazing. Um, so I had this expectation and this hope of, okay, this, this thing is going to be good. It's going to fulfill some of my hopes and dreams for this time. I'm going to be rested. It'll be great. I have really good service. And then, I mean, it, it was. It was great. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. It was a wonderful time. But it wasn't perfect, you know? It was just a, those 17 hours ended. It wasn't as maybe grand as I thought it was going to be. It was just a, a thing, a thing of the world that was good, and it had a start and it had an end, and it didn't fulfill all my hopes and dreams in the entire world. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> yeah, the things of God are better than the things of the world. The world will never fulfill the longings of our heart. When, it, when we are divided, when we're pursuing material things, when we're pursuing um, the ways that we're being counterformed by the world, it's, it's, never, it's never satisfying, it never lasts. The pleasures are fleeting. And I've seen that since coming home. I had this message burning in me about an undivided heart. I had a lot of conviction around all the ways that my heart had been divided. And then I got home and spent a decent amount of time just on Netflix. It's like, what am I doing? Ah! But yeah, there's a real, it's hard to, to really get on your knees and place God at the center of everything, to have that undivided heart when there are so many things, so many habits and ways that are normal to us in our flesh that are not, not of the Lord. So after all the, all the repenting and the removal of the things, the confession and repentance of things that are, have taken up space where God should be, there's a, there's a return. So we've got to repent and return, as Jesus says in Revelation, to return to what we did at first, to that undivided heart, fresh with the joy of our salvation. So the Psalm 86 was, it's a Psalm of David, it's a prayer from a man who was after God's own heart that we hear about. And that it's got that beautiful call to response. For I call to you all day long, have mercy on me. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Teach me your, your way and I will walk in it. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. There's this, this beautiful, intimate dance, but one that is so aware of God's holiness and otherness. And in that, there's a returning to this, this childlike posture of worship. And Joel 2, return to me with all your heart, with a whole heart, with fasting, mourning, and weeping. And Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Maybe you've been in, in the prayer room for an hour or two this week and you had some high expectations, you came in, you brought your phone in, you got a little bit distracted, it took a moment to settle everything and maybe you never fully settled and then you left being like, oh, didn't really get anything from the Lord. Um, which, I mean, yeah, he doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> but there is a space of, I, I, a few times I did that, I came in and got distracted by work or other things, and then I left more with a sense of, oh, I didn't bring my whole heart to the Lord. I brought a piece of it, a, a piece of my divided heart to God, but a conviction of, man, he, need, he is worthy of more than I could ever give, and in that I need to give my undivided, wholehearted worship. Yeah, there's a, there's a making room that needs to happen when we clear out the clutter and focus fully on Jesus. Everything else just is either removed or falls into place. And it's a, in prioritizing this relationship with God, this prayer, this, this practicing the presence of God is a, it's like training for a marathon. As you've heard us say multiple times, it's not a, Okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to fast for the whole week. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. every day and pray on my knees for five hours. I mean, power to you. <laughs> Feel free to do that. But if that's, that's not your step one, 
And if we do that, we can set ourselves up for just like negative self-talk when we fail to meet those standards. But it's a, it's a one step further into, into depth, into prioritizing this time with God, into going deeper. As Richard Foster says, God always meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. There's a progression to it. And there's seasons for all of us when our prayer will feel weak on its way to becoming a a warrior prayer. And that's where scripture is so important. This is one of my main convictions after this, this time away is simply to pray the words of God back to him that we would pray out of the riches of the word rather than the poverty of our own circumstances. When we have no words, this, this word is living and active. The Psalms are a wonderful place to start. Yeah, so praying scripture and then praying corporately, praying in, in community out loud together is another wonderful way to train us in prayer and listening to God's voice. After sitting in scripture together in, in a community and then praying, as we do on a Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., we'll see you there. Um, we begin with scripture and sit with it individually, and then as we pray out loud, it's so powerful in hearing, okay, we, you might have been sitting with it and got this half an idea of God might be speaking this to me, and then you hear someone on the other side of the room praying that exact thing, and it's a confirmation to your soul that, yeah, God is speaking to me, I can hear him, and that's what his voice sounds like. It's also so helpful in a corporate space if you have nothing, if you're at the end of your rope and you're exhausted and you're grieving and you come into a prayer space and other people can just pray, pray truth over you. So praying scripture and praying together is so important and it's so powerfully countercultural. And our individual Western society to, to lean into prayer together corporately is, is huge. And God meets us there. It's an undivided heart internally and an undivided heart as us as the body of Christ coming together in prayer. In Malachi, the, those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. Similar to where, where two or three gather, there, there the Lord is. That as we gather, as we, as we praise God together, the Lord leans in and he listens and he hears us. And as we, as we get into the word, as we sit with God, as this becomes a practice and it, it's a habit that is formed in us, we are formed into the way of Christ and our prayers begin to sound like his heart. We pray the things that we read in scripture. How You see, so many people through scripture praying in ways that moved God's heart. He's not some unmoved mover who doesn't, we just get to pray and say, Lord, in your will, let it be done. Or if it's your will, let it be done. That's more like, that has more roots in stoicism than it does in, in the way of Christ. God is, is actively involved in our world. We are co-laborers with Christ and our prayers get to, get to bring heaven, bring the kingdom closer here and now. And we do that by, by praying the scriptures. We get into them, we, we ruminate in them and out of that our, our prayers are, are prayed in the way of Christ kind of three key ways I'd, I'd invite you to sit in the scripture this week to saturate, meditate and then repetition as well so saturating would just be to 
increase our capacity and our content for scripture. That you'd read a book of the Bible start to finish in one setting. Um, and there's space, we're here for like meditating and sitting on one verse, but just to, to sit under the word of God in big chunks to get a, a, an overarching picture of the, the meta-narrative of what God's doing in the, in the bigger space and let that wash over us. Feel free to start with John 3. It's like one page. That can be your one book to start this week. Or you could dive in at numbers. <laughs> but yes, to increase our capacity for, for sitting under Scripture. Preferably read it out loud to yourself if you can find a space. But yeah, reading that high content of Scripture, letting it that story get into your bones. So saturating and then meditating would be picking a line, like this week I've been meditating on that. Verse 11, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Pick a, a portion of scripture just to meditate on for the week or the month and there are just so many layers that you can ask the Lord to reveal because his word is living and he will show up in his word. And then repetition, by committing to maybe a, a psalm for the month and you read that every day, day in, day out, reading the same words over and over again and letting the depth of it go into you and the Lord reveal new stuff. Because if, <laughs> if you're getting bored by reading the same psalm or passage over and over again, it's not because the word is boring. Maybe you're boring. <laughs> So let the Spirit move through his word and convict you to, to be patient. It is, it's a book that was written in a, a completely different culture a very long time ago. And there is a bit of translation that needs to happen, but it is powerful. And there is language in here that, that points us and orients us to Christ and in the way of Christ. Hmm. So get into the word, learn his voice, and pray. Because this... This matters. This really matters. This is our, our lives. This sets us up here and now and for eternity. This is us being formed in the way of Christ, reuniting with him in our hearts and in our lives. This isn't some call to, to, a, to a holy huddle that is just praying and worshiping God, me and God, ha, ha, ha. It's not, it's not that. As we, as we pray the words of God, as we hear his heart, we are moved outwardly. Like Jesus prayed in John 17 that I may be sanctified, that they may be sanctified, that we would be similarly as we consecrate ourselves, as we set aside these altars in our lives to, to put God first and worship him with an undivided heart. As we sanctify, as we are sanctified in that space, it makes us missional, it points us outward for the sanctification of others. Like you can't, it, you'll find as you pray and worship God, pretty soon your prayers become intercession. You are turned outward and you're praying for revival in your neighborhood, for specific people in your life, for healing for people. There's a, it just happens that as we look upward, as our gaze is fixed on Jesus, that goes into our hearts, we are transformed and what comes out of our mouths is for, for the good of others. Mm. We're going to jump to Hebrews, Hebrews 3, verse 7, and this is a quote of Psalm 95. As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts 
as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing. Down a bit, because their hearts were always going astray and they have not known my ways. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Yeah, this is weighty. The the call of God on our lives is is huge to maintain that that first love culture. If you think back to the that church in Ephesians where Jesus spoke in Revelation, that church was planted by Paul. Pretty pretty amazing guy, full of the spirit, in love with Christ. He planted so many churches and that culture took root in so many different places. After Paul, it was handed off to Timothy, a man who had been apprenticed under Paul, who we read a lot about, who was upright, who again would have been in love with the Lord. And then it was handed to the disciple John, who wrote about himself, saying the one who Jesus loved. That was a man who understood love and the way of Jesus. And that church, that church in Ephesians, was the one that that Jesus said, but this I hold against you, you have forsaken your first love. If a church led by those people cannot maintain a first love culture, what right do we we think that we can do it in our own strength either? It is not humanly possible. As we, this reprioritizing and restructuring of our lives around pursuit of God and that undivided heart that is going after him is sustained by the spirit. We need it. We need the full armor of God and the work of the spirit to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil in the ways that they are counterforming us and clamoring for our time. There is so much depth in, in prayer, in prayer individually and corporately together as, as the body of Christ. We are formed in this, that we would waste our time in prayer. It is it's inefficient, it's a lot of waiting and silence and listening and praising and, and fasting and worshipping. But like, like the alabaster jar that was broken at the feet of Jesus, that we would carve out time, that we would give our best to prayer, to pursuing Jesus with an undivided heart. Because there is nothing, nothing else that is better, nothing else no one that is more worthy. Hmm. Hmm. Let's let's pray and then we'll move move into communion. God, would you teach us your ways and we will walk in your truth. Would you give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name? God, we repent of any and everything that has taken, taken root in our hearts and our lives that is not of you, that has distracted us. Would you come and, and unite us? Would you come and remove those divisions within our heart that we would be solely focused on you?
we pray for a, an empowering of your spirit as we restructure our time and prioritize how we seek you, Lord. That it will be by your spirit we are sustained in doing this. And God, we, would you hear our cry for mercy? We stand in awe of you. We thank you for your love and your sacrifice and your kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen.